0: Hey y'all, it's Claire here. I have a quick announcement before the show starts. So I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to this show. I can't believe it, but we have released over 50 episodes so far and it's been such a fun endeavor, learning more about Texas politics and also getting amazing feedback from those of you on the other end listening to this. Thank you for taking this educational journey with us. And we can't wait to dig into more topics over the next months and years. I mean, we really hope to sustain this podcast. But speaking of sustainability, we are going to be launching a Patreon probably in the next three to four weeks. So keep an eye out for that. Wanted to go ahead and let you know that it's coming and it's in the works. And we would really appreciate your support. Nicole and I love doing this show. However, podcasts does cost some money and it would really help us to be listener supported. So keep an eye out for Patreon. In the meantime, uh, if you would like to drop us a tip, we would really love that. We've had a few tips come in and that has been so meaningful. We really appreciate y'all supporting the show that way. So keep an eye out for Patreon, sign up for our newsletter. And if you feel inclined to make a tip, thank you. We appreciate it. You can do so on our website or through our newsletter. All right, here's the show.
1: Welcome to Go Behind the Ballot, a podcast where two Texas moms go on an educational quest to demystify Texas politics. Join me, Nicole Abshire, and my co-host Claire Campos-O'Neill as we deep dive into the most burning issues, hear stories from candidates, and offer hope in these challenging political times. Let's saddle up and go behind the ballot.
0: Hi, friends. Welcome to this episode of Go Behind the Ballot. I'm Claire Campos O'Neill.
1: And I am Nicole Abshire.
0: We are eager to continue our conversation about critical race theory in today's mini episode for our Culture War series. So you might remember from our Monday episode that we spoke with Dr. Tiffany Pewitt. And if y'all haven't heard that episode, I would highly recommend you stop listening, go listen, and then come back to this show. She was such a wealth of information, um, just so well-rounded in her understanding of religion and race and racism and systemic causes of the state of things. I just loved all that she shared and so thankful she spoke with us. So big plug for that episode. But in today's show, we're going to be talking about an article from Education Weekly that is called, Whatever Happened with Texas's Anti-CRT Law? And this is by Ileana Naharo. And she um, she asked this question, and we thought it was so timely because we spent some of our episode with Dr. Tiffany Pewitt discussing some of the laws that had been passed recently that that aren't like literally called critical race theory, but they're very much informed by critical race theory. So let's get into it. All right, Nicole, why don't you just start with some general um, thoughts on this article and walk us through it a little bit.
1: Well, I'm so grateful that um, Education Week and Ileana Nahar decided to write this because it's so important, right, to follow up on these things that pass, especially these, you know, sort of more controversial culture war issues to follow up and see, okay, what is the actual effect? So it starts off just with a really general uh, recounting of the things that you will hear in our episode with Tiffany Pewitt, Dr. Tiffany Pewitt, um, explaining, you know, that it is H, well, in this one, they really refer more to Senate Bill 3, because Senate Bill 3 came after the original HB, and I don't want to get the numbers wrong, but I think it's 3979, it is, 3979. But um, SB3 was meant to clarify the confusion that was caused by the original um, HB 3979. And so this seeks to kind of check back in. So how are educators feeling at this point? And so it's a great article for giving some real good snapshots of of the reaction of educators.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um... I think it's always important to follow up and be like, okay, these bills passed, and now what is actually happening on the ground? And um, this is what Ileana strived to do. So she reached out to um, teachers to ask them, what's it been like since these laws have gone into effect? And something that I thought was kind of telling and interesting is the article says that quote, moderate or conservative teachers quoted in the earlier story didn't respond to requests for comment. And then it goes on to say conservative organiza- organizations such as Texas Values and Innovative Teachers of Texas, which represent te- teachers seeking an alternative to the state's teachers association, either could not provide current classroom teachers uh, to speak on this article so she did talk to some teachers but uh, you're going to hear sort of one narrative and it's because the other narrative did not take the opportunity to share what's happening for them Um, yeah so let's talk about some of those teachers
1: so it starts with um angela burley she's a sixth grade world cultures teacher at frederick Douglass todd senior middle school in dallas and she actually, if I understand this right, and you'd let me know Claire if, if I didn't, but she decided actually to leave the original school where she was teaching um, in order to, as she put it, she wanted to, let me just read her exact quote, actually. She says, I elected to leave an environment where I felt like my teaching certificate would be put in danger, where I felt like I would have to curb the things that I say or where I felt like I could not allow the students to take conversations where they wanted conversations to go. Um, I'm a little confused, I guess, about where she left versus, you know, where she is now. And I, I, my assumption, I guess, is that she felt like it was a school where she could sort of speak more freely and allow her students to go in the directions that they needed to sort of without feeling as if she was being watched over or that she was going to be reported on, if those conversations went in directions that could essentially violate the the laws in Texas. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and she gave um, this really good example of how, as she's talking to her students about current events, maybe not necessarily in America, but in other countries, like she talked about discussing the state of affairs in Venezuela and how the, she said the Venezuelans no longer wanted Nicolas Madarto as a president, and he was disputing the election, and the stu- and like it caused a lot of uproar in that country. The students were saying, oh, is this kind of like what happened with Donald Trump and his refusal to um, accept the results of the 2020 election? And I'm sure she's in her classroom, like, uh, uh, yeah. can I go there? Yeah, that t- can be considered a controversial current event, and because of the laws and the murkiness, what do you do in that moment? So, but it's it's also frustrating because, like, I imagine these children are having these light bulb moments, and you want to be like, there you go, you're wa- you're doing that critical thinking that we would like to see in the education system, I believe, and yet you have to shut it down. So this is this is the chilling effect that Dr. Tiffany Pewitt described, um, but it's you can see it here in our classroom, very much happening. Very much happening.
1: Yes, it's yeah the per- perfect example of the self censorship that we discussed with Dr. Pewitt. It's you find you can just be in the shoes of teachers and feel that sense of uh oh, uh oh, are, are we going off track? Is this going to get me in trouble?
0: Yes, and maybe we'll back up real quick just to make sure we're all on the same page in case you didn't hear our episode with Dr. Tiffany Pewitt, but describe a little bit more about what HB 3979 and SB 3, what like the meat of those bills were about. Um, so something that the article says is that, quote, teachers cannot be required to teach about slavery and racism as being, quote, anything other than deviations from betrayals or... Failures to live up to the authentic founding principles of the United States, including liberty and equality, end quote. So that was part of it. Um, And then as we discussed in our our episode with Dr. Tiffany Pewitt, um, okay, I'm trying to, I want to make sure I say this right, that they can't talk about current events without it being um, like presenting both sides is that your understanding of it nicole
1: yes you you are you are again (laughs) right and uh, let me just point out that while we are not experts i don't think you have to be an expert to still be confused or uh, maybe i'm saying that backwards of what i mean but um yes the understanding and the language is that if you present a current topic well, first of all, you're not required to, but if you do, that you need to present conflicting point of views.
0: Okay. Thank you. Yes. Um, I think it's, the bill says, it, quote, shall explore that topic subjectively and in a manner free from political bias, end quote. So like, what does that look like in a classroom? I have no idea. That sounds very challenging. And this idea, I was thinking about this reading the article of teachers not being able to This, like, idea of, like, deviations from betrayals of or failure to live up to the authentic founding principles of the United States. That was – what did you think when you read that, Nicole? I'm just
1: confused.
0: I was confused. And on the second read, I was like, failures to live up to the authentic founding principles of the United States. I was like, but, 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 like, slavery was – I don't think they saw it as a failure. I think they saw it as foundational to the economy. So it seems like a betrayal of our real history, right?
1: Well, right, if you're talking in the documents about freedom and yet a huge portion of your population is enslaved, those things are not compatible. So I don't I I don't understand how you that's cognitive dissonance, right? How do you mm-hmm. present that in a way that is consistent? It's just, it's not. And yet you have to use language that essentially says, what you're seeing is not what you're seeing, <laughs> right? Like, yes, those these founding documents talk about freedom. Yes, there is an enslaved population, but we are not allowed to acknowledge that in any way that makes any sort of logical sense. Mm. It's, 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 It's a lot for a brain to hold.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think when you do start to like really look at the language of these bills and scratch your head, you do start to see that cognitive dissonance and wonder what's really at play here because you do see this rewriting of history, so it seems, and this erasure of the real experience of many Americans and uh, it starts to fall apart. I mean, I think we talked about this in the Dr. Tiffany Pewitt episode. Um, but uh, like, the more I try to figure it out, the more frustrated I get. And I'm like, it's not me. It's not my fault. Like, this is confusing. And my goodness, Nicole, I had this thought in our conversation with Dr. Tiffany Pewitt, But if we had a dollar for every time we heard or said that these bills have a chilling effect, we'd have a lot of dollars. <laughs> we'd
1: have a lot of dollars. We sure would. Right. And the and another thing that we keep saying, too, is that it feels like the confusion is the point. Right. Because it, it leaves you just are left with hands up. I don't know. I can't make sense of this. What in the world? And it's a very um, helpless feeling, I think. And a, and it just I think it. I know it leads me anyway to. Well, I won't give up, but it does it, it has a little bit of a, a feeling like that of oh well I just can't wade through this. This just isn't my arena. And I think that's another, you know, really sad byproduct is that when you feel helpless and powerless, it can easily translate into giving up.
0: Right, right. And and you know, like we're very much outside of this. I, I like that she talked to teachers and a well, not directly administrators, but you you kind of can sense the administrative wheels turning in the background because they can't ignore this. Like they have to uh, put time and thought into this. And that was something I was thinking about too reading this article. Um, she said that, quote, districts are trying to make sure that they are following these those guidelines, end quote. So it made me think about, and maybe this is because I recently watched Fair Play, former attention mention of Nicole's. Fair Play talks a lot about um, the mental load that women take on in um, family dynamics, families with children, and I was thinking about the mental load of teachers and administrators. Like they are spending so much of their mental energy following these new rules that it's that their 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 load <laughs> is uh, just consumed with this instead of educating children making sure that the children are um, receiving the services that they need and what a loss that is too for us.
1: yes so I did a little you know I had a little moment when I, I was looking at the the legislative website that and it has you know the final the final bill that was signed it also has a financial, analysis, essentially, of what the Texas Education Agency said sort of the cost of implementing this would be. In other words, you know, to train folks. And what I could not find is, was there any money actually designated to pay for the training that TEA has said will be required? So that was a little interesting moment I had. The other thing is that So SB3, right, talks about civics training and that there is supposed to be on school campuses um, what is the right language they used, but essentially that people, at least I think an administrator and a teacher, have attended civics training. And so every campus is supposed to have designated people who have attended these trainings. And so they're sort of the person on campus who is essentially the expert in the way that civics is supposed to be taught according to SB 3.
0: Ah, the new law. Okay. Yes.
1: Okay. But here's the thing that I found really interesting, which is that in HB 3979, they talk specifically about how you cannot um, implement curriculum or go to trainings for any privately funded uh, groups, right? Which, okay. But then SB3 starts to get a little bit, I I don't understand as clearly what what they're mandating. And so interestingly, I stumbled across a summer civics institute that was TEA approved. So then I can only guess and assume that then if teachers attend that summer civics institute they are then certified on their campus to as being the person the designated person who Uh. is trained in the the civics requirements right and it and I watched the video about the civics institute it's all about founding documents and how to engage with the founding documents okay but right here's the thing um it is sponsored by hosted by the Texas Public Policy Foundation, which is a, you know, a private entity, um, and is also, um, as we know, it's a very conservative organization. It is what has come after Empower Texans, which was incredibly conservative. The vice chairman of the board is Tim Dunn, you know, who, as we know from our talk with Chris Tackett and our own research is a billionaire who funds very far right conservative policies. And um, so I just think that's really interesting, right, that mm-hmm. it is TEA approved. It it made me wonder about then are there other organizations that have been TEA approved for their civics institutes? I could not find any. I'm not saying that they don't exist but I couldn't find any. And so it just it starts to then f- you know feel a little conspiratorial because it feels yeah. like everybody's friends. Like you know, if the TEA says you have to have a civics, you know, person on your campus who is approved, you also maybe are friends with folks at the Texas Public Policy Foundation. They develop a civics institute. Like it feels very insular. And right.
0: Well, it makes me think about our Chris Tackett episode about dark money in politics. How the thing we don't see most of us in our day to day lives is the coordinated infrastructure in this particular way of thinking about government and government's role, which is funded by these billionaires, Tim Dunn and Ferris Wilkes. And it sounds like that's happening here too, where where like they have, like you said, created this closed ecosystem. That just continues the narrative they want to put forth. And meanwhile, do the teachers really see that? Do parents see that? Like, it's, it seems like that is a hard thing to put together on your own. I, I mean, what I can say is that
1: um, the video is very, it's a great cheerleading video for the, the Civics Institute. It is the faces of the teachers who attended. It's a very diverse cast of teachers. They're very enthusiastic about the instruction they received, and that's not to take anything away from their experience. And exactly what you're saying, it just, I can't help but ask a lot of questions Mm. about about it and the way Mm. that it is set up and who was in charge. And from what I can tell too, it looks like it happens in Dallas and Austin, and I think all expenses are covered. I'm not sure that... Your district has to chip in anything, um, you know, so it's it's just it's a, it
0: leads to a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. OK, we're going to do some more digging on this. Mm-hmm. Ah, another door to open and wonder about. <laughs> yes. And then I also I could not help, but I was just
1: thinking about, you know, the role of the State Board of Education and all of this, and I'm so curious as to why it why this couldn't have been left sort of in the lane of educators
0: yeah as a reminder we did an episode on the state board of education and their purview is to set curriculum and to decide what students will be learning and this these bills found very much yeah like like they're these bills are kind of playing in their play box sandbox whatever that expression is so uh, how did that happen Yes. Yeah, so, food
1: for thought, everyone. Food for thought.
0: Yes. Well, the main takeaway from this article is that teachers are confused. Surprise, surprise. Uh, teachers, administrators—they're—they're they're erring on the side of caution, and it sounds like avoiding these difficult conversations because they don't want to get in trouble, because there's real consequences for their careers, and I, you which know, you again can't...
1: are unclear, Claire.
0: Yeah. Right,
1: which is also uh, you know, what? another part of the frustration and confusion. Although we do know stories of um or at least the principal was it in South Lake who was fired. So, mm-hmm. you know, there there are those situations that you can point to that are frightening. Yeah. When you're talking about your livelihood.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. Well we're thank we're really thankful for um Ileana the author of this article, asking these questions, doing this follow-up work. Man, I really wish that these uh, moderate conservative teachers would talk to the press and at least give their perspective, because that's another thing that I'm finding a real frustration with is this um, stone wall that some folks have to the press, because freedom of the press is foundational to America, so let's make sure we're not omitting them from the conversation, like be a part of the conversation. So Whatever and and you can
1: get more general buy-in if you are are willing to advocate for what it is that you believe in.
0: Yes, but we recommend you read this fabulous article. Whatever happened with Texas's anti-CRT law, and we will link it in the show notes. And uh, if you're a teacher, let us know what's happening to you. We would be very curious if you uh, teach things like social studies, English, history. Who knows? Um, if you have had an experience because of these bills in your everyday life. And don't forget, sign up for the newsletter. Newsletter, newsletter. 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 <laughs> newsletter. Okay, thanks you. Thank you everybody. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Thank you everybody for joining me, Nicole Abshire, and my co-host Claire Campos-O'Neill on Go Behind the Ballot. Hopefully we've demystified some little portion of Texas politics and we hope that you'll do more with us. Check out our website at www.gobehindtheballot.com where you'll find links to all of our social media and you will find our community. Let's join together and do more. We hope you'll let us know what is working and we hope you'll join us next week. Thanks, everybody, and have a good one.